0: This podcast is presented to you by the Young Adults Ministry of Faith Chapel San Diego. To find out more, please visit faithchapelsd.com. Good evening. Thank you for coming. Praise God. I'm excited, always excited about what God's going to do. And uh, I praise God for Josiah giving me the opportunity to share. I love God's word, and I love pouring into God's people. Just real quickly, um, just, just, I'm always amazed when I have an opportunity to go somewhere. I, I shared a little bit a couple of weeks ago about my trip to Africa, and you guys saw a video. Those of you that were here last week, I was actually up in L.A. last week doing a, um, it was a live uh, cross-TV program, it actually aired all over the world, and it was an opportunity that I had. I took advantage of it, and I didn't get back till around 10 o'clock last, last thir- Wednesday night, so I never got a chance to come. But, um, but I'm, always, I'm always blessed to, to just see what, what God is doing around the world. It's not like I travel all over, all over the world. But wherever I do get a chance to go and get a chance to meet people, like last Wednesday when I was up in, uh, at Cross TV, I got a chance to spend time with a, um, a minister from Brazil. And we were talking about uh, Brazil a little bit. And I know Brazil is just a lot of born-again, spirit-filled people that love God. And, but Uganda, where I was at, uh, I just, I, I look at the Ugandan Christians and they just pour into God. They love to dance. One of the things I, I, I share a lot of times when I go to Africa, Kenya, Uganda, you know, Tanzania and different places is the African love to dance. And boy, they get out there and they begin to worship God and you just can't stop them. And they just, anything, any opportunity that they get to just dance before the Lord, they just do so. And that blesses me so much because just being around that atmosphere is, is contagious and, uh, and always a blessing. And just these people, when, when they get into their prayer time, they just pour into God. They just really, like, like a couple years ago, in Kenya, uh, the service that I was gonna preach in started at 10 o'clock in the morning and it ended at five o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm sitting there watching everything that's going on and the time that I'm given to, to pray, to preach and, and minister to people, and it was like a seven hour service. Come on, people, we're out of here at noon. <laughs> and, and it's like, even, even this, uh, this last trip to Uganda, uh, Sunday morning, like, you know, I, I started ministering. Church was packed. And I, this has happened many, many times where I'll ask the question, does anybody need prayer? Anybody need a miracle? Anybody need something from God? And every single person gets in line. So several hundred people get in line. And they, they, the, the, the front is packed out and a line going all the way out to the back. And I asked the pastor, senior pastor, can you assist me in praying for these people? He goes, no. They want you to pray for them. <laughs> and literally, by the time I got done, I'm not just like bam, 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 and sit, sit down. It's like I am taking my time and listening to their heart, what they're up there for, so that I can minister to them to see if maybe I would have a, a word for them, a prophetic word for them, or how to pray for them specifically. So I took my time with them. Literally, by the time I got done, I was I was soaked out. I was just like dripping sweat. I was wearing a suit and uh, finished up like four, four, thirty five o'clock in the afternoon. Just enough time to go back to the hotel, change my clothes, rest a little bit, take a shower and go back for the evening service and do it all over again. And usually it's like that a lot of times in in Africa. It, this trip here wasn't as drawing and draining as uh, the previous year when when Edwin, where, where Edwin's at, was with me, in in Kenya, because there it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. We had a service. We had a a, a pastors meeting, break, quick break for lunch, and then two of them in the afternoon, and then evening evening open air meeting. So it was like all day long for three weeks two weeks, especially in Kenya, they would just draw from you. You go there, you're, you're going to be expected to give and, uh, and deliver and minister and pour into them. And the people will come many times because you're from America. They want to hear what you have to say. And it's just a blessing to be a part of what God is doing in, uh, in different countries. I have a passion for for traveling, for ministering to different cultures. And a lot of that came from, I know I need to start or my time's going to get away from me. I didn't know I was going to get into all this. But a lot of it came from a prophetic word that was given when my great-grandmother visited Amy Semple McPherson many, many years ago. And in one of those trips, my great-grandmother took my, my dad to go visit Amy McPherson in LA when she was up in LA at Angeles Temple. And there was a prophetic word pointing to my dad saying two of his sons were going to preach the gospel around the world. Well, my dad had two sons, me and my brother. He's, he's, we've traveled together uh, quite a bit, but I have continued to travel, and this, this missions bug continues to bite me. And every chance I get, I jump on the first plane I can, as long as provide, God provides the finances, and I'm off and running. So thank you for your prayers, and thank you for There's so much more I could say, but it's not really I need to get into what I have in my heart for you tonight. But thank you for your prayers and several people here. Uh I didn't ask for finances, but there were people that God moved on their heart that supported me. And nothing happens without people's support of what I do. I it's not like I have money sitting around to to do what what I want to do or where I feel God wants me to go. It's like God provides. Where He guides, He provides. That's the way it works. And I say that to you as well. You have a desire to travel? You have a desire to go somewhere? Put put your name down. Say, God, I I lay claim to this. I'm believing that you want me to go here. And take a step forward. Take a step of faith. Put it out there. And see what God will do. And see if the Lord will open those doors for you as well. Because I know he's opened those doors for me many, 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 many times. Many times at the last minute. I wish I had time to share with you on that. So, Tonight, Father, thank you for getting Josiah and Ashley the family back home safely as they travel back and protect them, protect them from accidents and tickets, Lord God, and bless them this evening as well as the other classes that are going on right now. Anoint them and bless them tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I I had something that was burning on my heart. And, uh, you know, I've never... What I want to share with you tonight... I've never preached it before. It's a fresh word. It, it was something that just came alive in me, and I started developing it and started thinking, okay, God, what do you want to share here? And it's going to be the first time that I've ever really brought this out in the way I'm going to bring it to you tonight. So I pray that it blesses you and that it does something in your heart. We're going to start off. I'm going to share a little bit of a backdrop on where I'm going, talking about the the. The tabernacle in the wilderness, as the children of Israel were going through the wilderness. And they establish the tabernacle. Again, we uh, 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 Old Testament word, tabernacle. We look at New Testament word for church. But they establish a tabernacle tabulac- in the Old Testament. Holy place, most holy place. Outer court, you have the whole area of the tabernacle. Okay, so in the holy place, you know, you have the table of showbread. You ha- that was literally placed, if I remember in Scripture, northward, and then the lampstand, the menorah, uh, southward. And then you have the altar of incense that was placed right behind the, right in front of the veil where the, all, the Ark of the Covenant was on the other side of the veil in the most holy place. But we're going to focus on the lampstand tonight. We're going to talk about the menorah or the lampstand tonight. And it literally produced light in the tabernacle. There were no windows You know, it's like you went in there, you had a big glass window, big glass door, and a light in, or a skylight. You know, no. Uh, The the menorah, the lampstand, produced the light that you needed to be able to do what you had to do in that uh, area of the tabernacle. But there were always specific requirements. Like every part of the tabernacle, uh, there were specific requirements on how to build it. God laid it out to Moses. Everything was done the way it was supposed to be done. The lampstand, okay, had the oil that was placed in it, and it had the wick to be able to sustain the light. Now, I want to focus on the scripture, and I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 30. And I'm going to be reading mainly from the Amplified Bible, just verse 6 through 8. And it says, and you should put the altar of incense in front and outside the veil, that screens the Ark of the Testimony before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, the law, and the tables of stone, where I will meet with you. Look at verse 7 and 8. Aaron shall burn on it incense of sweet spices. Every morning when he trims and fills the lamp, he shall burn it. When Aaron lights the lamps in the evening, he shall burn it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Okay? Now, we go to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 24. We're going to look at this real quick. Leviticus 24, verse 2 to 4. It says, Command the Israelites that they bring to you pure oil from beaten olives for the light of the golden lampstand to cause the lamp to burn continuously outside the veil of the testimony between the holy and the most holy place in the tent of meeting. Aaron shall keep it in order from evening to morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. very important for us to capture that. The lampstand, of course, uh, we look at typified Christ, okay? The light, we, you know, much of the tabernacle uh, typified something that had to do with Christ or the church. Lampstand typified Christ. The showbread typified Christ. So we see that. Okay, the altar of incense uh, typified the prayers of the saints. I want to show you a scripture, a couple of scriptures real quick. In Psalms 141, verse 1 and 2. Psalms 141, verse 1 and 2. Let your prayer be, for, be set forth as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands and as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. So we see the same thing without going there in Revelation 5:8, and then Revelation chapter 8, that this incense represented the prayers of the saints. It was important for us to, to understand that. And the priest had his job literally when he went into the holy place in the morning and in the evening to fill the lamps with oil and in the morning and in the evening, and we know that the oil always represented the Holy Spirit. We've always seen that throughout Scripture, okay? But he was also supposed to trim the wicks. Why? Why? Why is this important? Because if the wicks were not trimmed, they would flicker and they would produce smoke. You couldn't have that. So every time he went in there, he had to trim the wicks and then put the oil in before he lit the... The lamps before he put the uh, incense on the altar of incense. It had to be a clean, steady light. Now, I did this this afternoon. I have some candles at home. And this afternoon, I, I have three candles that have been lit for quite a while. And uh, the wick was old. So I lit it. And sure enough, the, can- the, <laughs> the flame was doing this, and a black smoke was coming out of it. So I know that's what happens when the wick is old. Okay, so that's why it's important in the tabernacle or in the most in the holy place. You couldn't have that. God specifically wanted those wicks uh, trimmed. It had to be a clean, steady light so that the incense on the altar of incense that was supposed to be a pure, sweet fragrance before the Lord and would have no smoke from the lamp or from the lampstand. Now, I've been to, more than once, I've been to a Jewish Seder. I'm, Ju- I'm Jewish on my dad's side. We come from Israel a long time ago on my dad's side, from, from Israel to Lebanon to Spain, Spain, 1721, to the southwest. Long story. I'm not going to go there. But I've been to a Jewish Seder, absolutely enjoyed it, and uh, in the jewish seder, they had uh, a little area where it was symbolic or showing to be the like the altar of incense and he put some incense upon it and the the, the 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 fragrance just filled the room and this this smoke from the incense uh came out but it was a sweet fragrance uh that that you could smell and it kind of brought that memory back to me of what took place in the holy place now, the question is there was no smoke from the wick when it's pure uh, fragrance from the incense. The question is, how do we apply that today? How do we look at what took place a long time ago in the tabernacle? How do we apply it today? Now, we know in Revelation 2.5, it talks about the, the, the church of Ephesus. When he's writing to the seven churches in Asia Minor, church of Ephesus You know, Jesus is writing and says, I know your works. You've done great. You've done many things right, but there's one thing I have against you. You have left your first love. We know the story. You have left your first love. And so so the Lord says to to the church in Ephesus, repent and do your first works again, or else I will come and take away the lampstand from its place. Take away your lampstand from its place. So Based on what I understand there, we have a lampstand that is in its place. And, of course, here the Lord says to Ephesus, go back to your first love because you're doing many things, but you have become comfortable in where you're at. Go back to your first love. Now, if you remember correctly, come on. How many of you remember when you first got saved? I know when I first got saved, there was such a, you could not, I, I kept telling myself, you cannot make me mad. I was so in love with Jesus. I I just remember that feeling of joy, overwhelming joy. You know, it's like I almost felt like the scripture says, to whom much has been forgiven, loves much. Because I know my background. I know where I came from. I know what I did before I knew the Lord. And I know how gracious the Lord was to me in my own life. And so when I first got saved, I didn't get saved, I got radically saved. I got so turned on, there was this overwhelming joy that I lived in for quite a while. And I thank God that through the years, this next month will be 43. i forty, I'll be 43 years old in my, in my walk with the Lord. And I need to make sure, you don't sit there and look at me and said and say, Boy, you look old for 43, dude. Come on. Now, in the Lord. It's like 43. And it's like, it's like there's been a steady, steady walk progression continual growth in my love for God. I love him more than I ever have done before. But that first love is so important that we walk in it, you know, because like that light that produces, it comes out of us. The scripture says that Jesus is that light, but the scripture also says that you are that light because Christ is in you. Now, the oil in the lampstand, it talks about relationships with the Holy Spirit, Everywhere I've seen, everywhere I've studied, everybody says the same thing. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. And you need to have, I know Josiah's been talking for quite a while now on a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, Benny Hinn, I think it was Benny Hinn that, that, that wrote the book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And you have to have a relationship daily. You talk to God, but you, know, you specify your, 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 your prayer time. I do this a lot of times. And I ask the Holy Spirit, to do something or guide me or anoint or flow or move, let the gifts flow and on and on and on. But you have to have this relationship that the oil represents with the Holy Spirit. Now, we look at the 10 virgins in Matthew chapter 25. You remember the story. We're not going to read it. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Okay, The 10 virgins, they had their lamps. Five were foolish. Five were wise. Okay, The, 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 The bridegroom goes off and says, be ready when I come back and there was a cry in the middle of the night, the bridegroom's here. So they take their lamps and notice in verse 7, it says that they trimmed their, their lamps, just exactly what we read it in, in Exodus. They trimmed their lamps and then they realized, the five foolish ones, that they did not have enough oil. So they asked the Wise ones, give us some of your oil. No, go buy some for yourself. We're not going to have enough for both of us. So first of all, the thing that we need to understand there about that is the the Scripture says that their lamps had gone out and they didn't have any, any more oil. Not good. Because the lamp in the holy place had to be continuously lit. You don't allow your light to burn out. You don't allow it to flicker, to smoke, to burn out. You have to keep it trimmed, which talks about your relationship with the Holy Spirit, talks about your relationship with God. So that's the first thing that I see there. They trimmed their lamps, but they had no oil. They allowed it to burn out. They allowed it to go down, you know. So we we have to keep that relationship strong in our lives or else we get ourselves in trouble. We have to keep the, tr- the wicks trimmed so there's no smoke. God doesn't want unnecessary smoke in the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he- here's where some of this comes to play for our life today. Smoke literally clouds the vision. You can't see clearly what you need to do. Now... The light has to be pure. It has to be clean. You know, so you know what to pray for clearly. You know what to pray for where you're not praying double-minded or you know exactly what your prayer should be. So smoke will cloud your vision if you allow it to take place in your life. Now, we live in San Diego. How many times have we gone to the beach? Many times with Josiah, you've gone to the beach and had a bonfire. I remember, you know, we've done that for years and years and years. Now, when you're in a bonfire and you're at the beach and the breeze is blowing, where do you sit? Where do you put your chair? Do you put it? You put it on the side where the smoke is blowing? No, I've done that before, where uh, everybody's talking and all of a sudden the wind changes and all the smoke from the from the bonfire is blowing towards me. And I'm trying to get away from it. And it's like, man, I can't. I got to get away from this because it clouds your vision. It's uncomfortable. And that's what happens when we allow our wicks not to be trimmed. It allows the smoke to cloud your vision, okay? An old wick will flicker smoke and eventually burn out. Burning out is not a good thing. We don't want burnout. And sometimes that happens if we don't allow our lives to keep a fresh relationship with the Lord, keep our, our, our wicks Trimmed. It's like pruning a tree. Come on. You have a tree. You have fruit on this tree. I have several fruit trees in my backyard. And so in order for me to be able to produce more fruit, I have to go out there and prune that tree. Many times prune it way down so they can produce more and more fruit. We see this in, in the Gospel of John. Sometimes pruning your wick has to do with, and this is where, um, where is Kaylee? She's not okay. She gave she gave a little word a little while ago. You remember it, okay? This goes along with that, and I'm, I'm what I'm sensing is what I'm about to tell you about pruning your wick or trimming your wick has to do with what the word that she gave to you. Sometimes the way that we have to prune our wicks is doing something, maybe changing something, or we're doing something that God didn't tell you to do. We're involved somewhere that maybe God did not tell you to be involved in. We're overcommitted. We're out of balance. We have no time because of what we allowed to come into our life. We have no time to really fellowship with the saints or have prayer time or really get to the place when we talk about burning incense to have a prayer life the way you're supposed to have it because we've allowed something in your life and maybe that needs to change. And I know the word that she gave goes right along with that. Sometimes it could be being in a relationship that you shouldn't be in that produces confusion. It produces confusion. It produces smoke in your life where you can't see where you're going because you're so blinded by what you're involved in at the, at the time. So sometimes we need to really think, okay, God, how do I apply this burning or trimming of the wick? Okay, let's talk about the oil. Psalms 23, verse 5. You know the scripture, the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But verse 5 says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Okay, the word anoint there, and I love this Hebrew word, is the word dashan in Hebrew. And it literally means to be fat, juicy, prosperous, well-fed, anointed. Dashan. Interesting. Okay, we see the same Word Because when we talk about this word anointed, we talk about being um, anointed, well-fed, uh, prosperous. And we see this realm of prosperity with this word. It literally talks about this... Um, it's an acceptable sacrifice we see this in psalm chapter 20 verse 3 it's an acceptable sacrifice when a fat animal was was sacrificed the 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 priest would would set aside the the, the ashes of the fat expose the heart and it was it literally was called an acceptable sacrifice before the lord and uh, the word daschen, we see this in Psalm 65, verse 11, as well. And in Psalm 65, verse 11, it says, you crown the year with your goodness, your favor, your goodness, and the tracks of your chariot wheels drip fatness. Dashan. drip with oil. And what that means there is, Lord, you crown my year with good things. And in those good things, everywhere you are is going to drip anointing. It's going to drip prosperity. It's going to drip uh, good things. And it goes right back to Psalms 23, verse 6, very last scripture in chapter 23. You know, for sure, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I love this because the word follow in the Hebrew There in Psalm 23, goodness and mercy will follow me. What that means in the Hebrew, if I remember correctly, is T-O-U-B in the Hebrew. And what that means is to be in hot pursuit and overtake you. Now, listen for a minute. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't lack anything. And it goes on from verse 1 to verse 6. You anoint my head with oil in verse 5. But because you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. I am anointed. I am prosperous. I am blessed. I'm fat, juicy, and prosperous, and well-fed in the Hebrew. Therefore, surely, goodness, God's favor, and everything that's good and his mercy will be in hot pursuit of my life and overtake me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love it. I love it. It's, 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 it's just rich. When we talk about oil and we talk about anointing, that's where we go. That's what it means. And I love the, the scripture in uh, Psalm 133, verse 3, where it talks about the, the anointing of Aaron And in the King James Bible, I love it in the King James Bible, it says that they poured. They didn't didn't do what we do today when we anoint people with oil. We put a little dab right there in the forehead. It's like back then, if if I had to read the scripture correctly, they poured oil on you and they dumped it on you. And it said that it dripped down Aaron's beard, down to his skirts, down to his robe. And and then in verse 3 is where the Lord says, and he commanded the blessing. It was a commanded blessing blessing upon him because there was unity among the brethren. And that's in Psalm 133, verse 3. It was a commanded blessing that was given to Aaron and his. So let's look at, let's look at when you burn incense because everything that happens when you enter the holy place with the, high, with the priest, he goes in, fills the lampstand with oil. Had to be a pure olive oil, beaten oil, pure olive oil. He trims the wicks. No smoke, no flicker, pure light. Trims the wicks and then takes the incense and puts it on the altar of incense, which represented our prayer life. Okay. The incense must be pure, the lamps must be full of oil, and the wicks must be trimmed. Now you can see clearly what you're doing. In this atmosphere, this is where you learn to put a demand on what you know belongs to you. So you have, you have to be able to see clearly what, where you're going and what belongs to you. and What God has provided for me, the covenant you learn to go after it now i do this i don't know about you but i do this how many of you go to god in your prayer time and remind him not that he needs to be reminded (laughs) but i do this god i remind you of the promises that you gave me i remind you of the seeds that you've planted, I remind you of the words that God dreams, the prophetic words. I remind you of what's been given to my family. I remind you. See, see, God wants you to do that, because what you're doing is you're laying claim to something that belongs to you, even though we know. God doesn't need to be reminded. He knows. But the question is, do you know? Do you know? How, how desperate are we to go after what you know belongs to you? See, many, many times when, when, as we grow in the Lord, there's certain things, there's certain, especially one specific thing that is automatic, and that's your salvation. If you put your trust in Jesus, you're saved. It's automatic, because you know Jesus, you're going to end up where Jesus is. That's a promise. But there's many, many other things that are not automatic, That you need to go after. There are areas in in, in the kingdom that you have to look at. The promises of God. Again, some of the words that have been given to you, that God has given you the ability to go after something that he knows belongs to you. You have to go after it. I want to give some examples. I was in South Africa a couple years ago. I went with a team from North County. Very, very prophetic church, moving, healing. Uh, A lot of the gifts flow through. And they invited me to join them on this trip. There were nine of us. There was uh, three pastors, one from Michigan, two from North County, and uh, myself and some other people that went. We had a, a professional videographer on this trip, and we ended up in Pretoria, South Africa. 120 pastors. It was a a leadership conference, 120 pastors, 15 of them came from Zimbabwe. And we started moving in healing, prophetic words, words of knowledge. And I'm watching what's going on and I'm not getting anything. And they kept asking me, the pastor kept asking, do you have anything? And I'm not getting anything. It's like, okay, God, And the team is moving, but yet I'm not flowing. And then I think it was the second night that we were there. I just, I I said, God. And I heard these words very clearly in my spirit. Take ownership. Changed the whole trip for me. For some reason, I went there and I was trying to flow with what they were doing. Almost trying to be like, like a hitchhiker, you know, trying to flow with what's going on in, with them. But when, when, when it wasn't clicking for me, and I heard the words, take ownership, everything changed. All of a sudden, I, I got clarity. Whenever I prayed for people that happened, there were several people that I prayed for that, that were deaf, that God opened their ears. There were people that had pain that had had pain for years, completely disappeared. There were people that were possessed that completely got set free. Happened more than once. But it wasn't until I didn't click, I didn't flow, until I began to take ownership with what I knew belonged to me. I knew what God wanted to do. And just because I wasn't flowing, I wasn't clicking, I wasn't getting it, for whatever reason, at first I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me? Until the Lord said, take ownership. And that's something that I've learned to do Whenever I move in, in the spirit, you know, even, even the realm of the anointing. We were, when I was in, um, in Tanzania, um, Edwin Jones was with me last year. We had a thousand leaders there. Had a thousand leaders there. The church was huge. And I was, I was asked to be the, if you want to call the keynote speaker or the main speaker, I don't know. I, I ministered every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and every, every day after that. I had the trust, and I, I, I reminded myself, I put a demand on the anointing. I know that I'm anointed because the word of God tells me so. And Father, I thank you that that anointing will flow tonight. I thank you that that anointing will do what it needs to do and breaks the yoke and set people free and touch people's lives. So I pray that way whenever I'm about to minister somewhere, especially when it's a big event because you, 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 you're getting ready to go up there and you see the people and you're expected, you're expected to move to do what God wants you to do. And when, when we were talking about Tanzania last year, and so when we, when we were there, and, and you just get up there with that authority. Put your head up. You get up there with that authority, and the anointing just hits, and you flow, because you expect it. You expect it. There's an anointing on your life. Everyone sitting here. I believe if Jesus is in you, you are anointed. Luke 418. Claim it. Put your name there. Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he's anointed me. Put your name there. Everything that Jesus said there is yours. Lay claim to it. Lay claim to it. See, because you have the mentality that he's anointed, she's anointed, but not me. That's how you're going to live. You're going to miss out. It's not that you're missing out on salvation. Salvation is a whole different thing. But you're going to miss out on what God has to do in your life. You need to know what belongs to you. You know, with, you know there's no double-minded. There's pure light. Uh, you know, there's, there's a... There's a flow in that atmosphere of what God wants to do. Many years ago, there was something that hit me. I don't know what it was. It was some kind of... I, I'm generally pretty healthy. I, I don't have a medical history most any time in my life. There was something that happened a few years ago. The doctors still not understand why. I think the enemy just tried to take me out. But... I don't have a medical situation, But all of a sudden, for some reason, I had an allergic reaction to something. And the way it, the way it hit me was my, 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 my body was just itching like crazy. I mean, literally, I wanted to rip my skin off. There were times to where I was in the streets, downtown San Diego, ministering to somebody and I, it, it would come upon me and I would start itching. And the, <laughs> it's like the person that was watching me go, dude, I don't know what you got, but just stay away from me, you know. And it's like it would just hit me that I could not control it. And I kept going to God for it. I said, I don't know what this is. I'm not allergic. I don't have allergies. I'm not allergic to anything. And I went through that. And I couldn't understand what was wrong. And I would go up for prayer, nothing would happen. And the next time I was in a Bible study, I would go up for prayer and nothing would happen. And every single time that I was in a church service for one year, every single time, I would go up to get prayed for. And nothing happened. I still had that affecting me. But why, why did I press in? Because I knew that it was something that belonged to me. Healing was something that belonged to me. It's in the covenant. The, G, the, the, the stripes that Jesus took upon his back is a part of the covenant. I knew that. And I was not going to give in. I was not going to give up until I got a hold of what belonged to me. I put a demand on it. And I would go up and I would say, God, no, I am not going through this. I am laying claim to what I know belongs to me. And time and time again, for one year, I battled with that. Until one time, I remember I was in a Bible study in a home. It was exactly a year later. And so many, many times... When the, 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 the minister, whoever was leading, would say, anybody need prayer, come on up. And this thought in my mind would tell me, you have gone up dozens of times and nothing's happened. What makes you think you're going to get it now? And I would get off, off my seat and I would go up and get prayed for. This one time in a Bible study, I went up there and I knelt down and I just said, in Jesus' name, I claim it. And you know, I never had that problem again it's like i somehow connected with that healing touch that god had provided for me and this is what i'm sharing with you is when you know it belongs to you because you know you've trimmed your lamp you've 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 got oil in your lamp you have a relationship a strong relationship with the holy spirit you can see clearly what belongs to you it's part of my covenant I lay claim to it, and you go after it with a passion. I did that until I connected. I learned from that, and I shared that story. Why did it take a year? I don't know. Other than maybe God wanted to to teach me perseverance, consistency. You know, uh, maybe it was for tonight what I'm sharing with you. That for a whole year, I, I, I... persevered in my prayer time, knowing that it was something that Jesus had already provided for me. And I was not going to give up. No matter how long it took, it's mine. I claim it. Jesus provided it for me. I lay claim to it until I saw the results. Never had a problem with that again. Completely disappeared. Another one that I I look to a lot of times is in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Beginning in verse 12, it says, let, you know, um, be thou an example. Uh, how's it go? Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Okay, and it goes on and on and on. Word and conversation and sharing, spirit and faith and purity. It goes on, I can quote it. But verse 16 is what I want you to see. If we do what it says from verse 12 all the way to verse 16, then I believe that what verse 16 says Happens, And this is what I've done for years now. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Amplify. Look well to yourselves and to your own personality and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Hold to them. For by doing so, you will not only save yourself and those that hear you. I've, I've told the Lord this. I go right to God and say, God, the people that I'm preaching to you right now, you promised me right here that if I do what it says in the previous verses, that you will not only save me, but those that hear me. I put it right back on God. It's your word, and I thank you for it. Lay claim to what belongs to you. Lay claim to what the scripture says. Another way of saying it that I like to say is put a demand on it. I claim it. It's mine. It's your word. I believe it. And let the Lord just manifest it in your life. There's a story. I was trying to remember it that I heard a long time ago. And I, I think maybe even Pastor Brian shared it a while back. But it's a story of this old man, and I'm not sure if I want to share it exactly correctly the way it's supposed to be, but I'm listen to the way I, I understand it. It was this old man, very poor man, always struggled financially and it was given or found this rock and he put it as a doorstop and all his life kept it as a doorstop. And then finally the old man died and his family came in and looked through his house and, you know, found out that there was this rock sitting by the door and took took a look at it, come to find out. It was a very healthy rock. It was full of gold or had precious stones or something within it. It was actually worth a lot of money. But the old man never knew it. He died a poor man. And so many times with us, we need to be able to see clearly to see what literally belongs to you, what literally belongs to me. And that's why when I look at the story of the tabernacle with the lampstand where the priest would go in Put the oil in, represents the Holy Spirit. Trim the wick so there is no smoke, so that he can place the incense on the altar of incense, which represents your prayer. He can see clearly in that place so that your prayers would be offered unto God as a pure, sweet-smelling Savior or fragrance before the Lord. So in our lives, this is what we do. We've learned, you know, whenever there's prophetic words, many times, a lot of prophetic words that we get doesn't always necessarily mean just because you get a prophetic word that's going to happen instantly as soon as you get it. Sometimes you got to birth them. I've learned that. Sometimes when I get a specific word and I say, this is what God told me or this is what was said of me, I, I take it, if it's something that I really am leaning towards, and I'm, God, you told, you told me this, I birth it. I get into prayer. I get into intercession. I, I travail in the spirit and go after it until I actually see it birthed in my life. You know, it's like many times when we see clearly and we understand what God is doing, we make a decree. Like it says in Job, two, Job 22, 28, We make a decree, and we establish it because we're seeing clearly what literally belongs to me, to you. It's the same thing with finances. You can sit there and go before the Lord and and say, Father, I am a giver. I am a tither. So in that atmosphere of giving and tithing, I've been faithful. I thank you for providing I thank you for blessings. I thank you that goodness and mercy uh, will pursue me, will be in hot pursuit and overtake me. I thank you that what you have promised me is coming my way. Lay claim to it. Pray that way. I believe God wants us to. God wants to know, what do you want out of this? Yeah, you have salvation. See, I want everything God has. I don't want to let anything, anything, Go. If you if you are, you know, this is this is a mistake if you're satisfied with your Christianity. No, you should never be satisfied where you're at. You should always de- desire more. Here's a good prayer to always pray. God, if you have more for me, I want it. Everything you have for me, don't leave nothing out. Bring it all. Let it just flow in my life. Let me be a, a pure vessel. Literally, with nothing holding back to what you want to do in my life. I surrender everything to you. And if God directs you in one way or the other, you flow with that. You, you, you obey. But at the same time, you let the Lord provide for you the things that he wants to give into your life. It doesn't matter how old you are. It does not matter. See, you have to get to the point in your life And and, and this is where I've been at for many, many years. I want my life to count. I want my life to impact as many people around the world as possible. I don't want to live just what some people would say an average Christian life. What's an average Christian life? Come on. I want a supernatural average Christian life. I mean, you know, I want want to flow. I want to impact. I want to do something for the kingdom. It's not, it's not It's for his glory. It's not for your glory. It's not for my glory. But I want my life to count. And I want yours to count as well. I love listening to my son, Josiah. I drive down from Poway. And I enjoy just listening to him minister to you. He's a good teacher. He's got a lot of good stuff in his heart. But what he teaches you, follow it. Sponge off of it. Practice it, apply it, because that's how, how things get done. That's how results happen, is when we apply what's being shared, and not even tonight. If there's areas in your life that maybe God wants you to trim, maybe you're producing smoke, your, your light is flickering, almost ready to burn out. I don't believe that of anyone here. I don't know. But if that's the case, make some changes. Make some changes. Trim your wick and allow the Lord to change things around in your life to where God um, wants to do what he wants to do with you. Amen.